Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur, I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's Ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC. Don't you know the amateurs are always bringing heat? Ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC. Did you really think we'd quit before 2019? His darkness makes great nicknames and clever games And Ryan runs things and goes by three names We waken up out our slumber because of Mahomes Spagnolo. it's showtime at Arrowhead minus the heartbreaks What about that dude in the cheetah print? Andy, reads the best, he owns the AFC West Eating burgers in a Bahama, football fun and friendship and watch Kins, we're amateurs and Chiefs fans But please do not mistake us with professional shows Because ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC, AHPKC don't you know these amateurs are always bringing heat? Ain't no podcast can compete with AHPKC. Did you really think we quit before 2019? <laughs> yeah, we released that and then we didn't release an episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I did release that and we didn't release an episode. <laughs> but welcome to Amateur Hour. Folks, Amateur Hour of 2019, we back! We back! Uh, man, Dirk, it's been a while. I, uh, I've been thinking about it. Oh uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I'm Ryan Scott Hall. me in, biatch! I guess I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and he is the man who always takes dumps to Action Bronson. <laughs> His dirt that was more of a fling. <laughs> <laughs> that was more of a Mexico City fling. Oh, okay. All right. Don't worry. I'll be back. It'll be back. Well, so... Year, our yearly pilgrimage down to Mexico City. There you go. So, all right. Dirk. I've been, th- I've been trying to... Th- I've been thinking about this. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I... I don't want to take away from all of your business dealings. Your yeah. papers. Your business papers. Um... <laughs> But like I'm kind of Creedence tapes. I'm kind of the busy one, and the one that has complicated matters when it comes to recording. Um, and and then I just got so frustrated during the off season for things that we don't really need to get into. There was a lot of different things that happened, and I was just like, man, I just I don't I don't know. I just I need some distance. I need some damn distance from this football team. So you went to Africa. Uh, I did, yeah. So I spent a month in Africa. Uh, it was great, um, but you know, ultimately, I came to the conclusion that like off-season dirt kind of rubbed off on me. Oh, oh yuck! <laughs> <laughs> it was a surprise on your back. Oh no, no, no! Uh, but yeah, so I mean, listen, I'm I'm very, very, very happy to be here. Wait, I, don't, I don't know what you mean, though. How did off-season Dirk rub off here? What happened? Well, off-season Dirk, um, I mean, listen, I know that there's in-season Dirk and there's off-season Dirk, <laughs> and usually the off-season Dirk, the way that you refer to it is like, oh, got some takes. 
In season, Dirk loves Alex Smith. Off season, Dirk will tell you all ah. about why Alex Smith sucks. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Um, but it also, I also know at least. Off season, Dirk. Well, everyone's just a name on a paper. Just I mean, a name on a spreadsheet. That's right. all I'm looking at. In season, okay. You know, I'm out at Arrowhead. I'm supporting my guys. I also know though that off season, Dirk is like, I need to take a full vacation. Like, I need at least like 60 days of like <laughs> none Chiefs, zero Chiefs. Yep. And it's primarily because every season seems to end the same way. And it's not just, yeah, we didn't get to Super Bowl. It's like, good God, why did it have to happen like that? <laughs> um. So, listen, I know last last year, 2018, when I was kind of looking at everything and saying, all right, so we're going from Alex Smith into Patrick Mahomes, everyone's excited, but Alex had had such a great year, even though I still was like, I don't care, get Alex out of here. But my 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 question, or like my theme for 2018 that I, I uh, came up with was, will different be better? Um, that we... Certainly got a, it was a all right. unanimous it was answer all right. to some strange, um, some strange felt good on was, the on the sparkly parts. It's fantastic, <laughs> um, and you know Patrick Mahomes in his first year to starter went out and won the MVP. Hey, so 2019, uh, a year heard that, of it that we've been waiting for, uh, thanks to calculations done by you during uh, one of your many deep dives. 2019, I feel like the theme is just Super Bowl or bust, baby. Like, that's that's where we're at, right? That's fair. I think and everybody's pretty much on that, that same page, yeah. I think that if you were looking at this team and the trajectory that they've been on, and especially, like, just, I mean, it's year three for Patrick Mahomes, regardless of whether he played in his first year. Like, this is, you came up with this 2019 theory based on all of these guys aging and getting to a certain level and ultimately thinking that we were going to be having a quarterback coming into his own. And Mahomes kind of arrives a year early, um, and I think, honestly, the defensive changes that we're seeing now arrived a year late. But regardless of the, the nuance that's involved in it, like, the team has arrived. And I certainly think, and I'm, I, I'm so surprised that these words are coming out of my mouth, but especially after that AFC Championship game in which... I felt like Clark Hunt like put himself out there in front of Chiefs fans, banging that drum, and not like in this "I went to Yale" was sort he of way. Was he I red faced, dude? He got after it. And I remember like, that was a thing, and I, I didn't even remember what happened. I just, I mean, he, obviously, a lot of things happened that day. I just, I just think that, I think that from the very, very top all the way down in this organization. They are all bought in, and they have a singular goal, and it is going to the Super Bowl. And I don't... I mean, I would say win the Super Bowl, but, like, they have to get the Lamar Hunt AFC Championship trophy in that building. And, like, I don't think that they'll accept anything less. And I don't I don't say that to mean, like, Andy's job is on the line, but that is the goal. And I think everyone is bought in. And we had questions about Clark Hunt prior to that, but my, he he's put me in a place where I feel completely confident that every single person involved in the organization is ready to win a Super Bowl in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it wasn't they weren't shy about it. I mean, that was that was that's been the goal. I mean, I, I I'm in lockstep with you on that. Uh, yeah, and I and I gave you I gave you the 2019 Chiefs over 30 months ago. 
Uh, we haven't recorded for so long because I've just been waiting for new information to come along, and nothing new has happened. The Chiefs are still winning the 2019 Super Bowl. So, you know, I've just been sitting here chilling, waiting for something new to happen, waiting to release a pod. Right. Decided I'd get off the couch and we'd, we'd actually do something about it. Well, I I don't want to say that he is uh, having really any anything to do with the decision to put out a podcast today. Um, but in this Super Bowl or bust line of thinking, enter stage right, Jalen Ramsey. Um, certainly the talk of Kansas City and maybe the NFL at large right now, um, unless you you know count the whatever 2004 class of quarterbacks. Um, I, I think that with Jalen Ramsey, like if you look at it purely from a football perspective, I don't like he's the best corner in the league, right? There's not somebody that's better than him. It sure seems like it. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, who else is, would, he, would it even be? I mean, the, the thing that corners are so fucking fickle. Like it seems to trade like change all the time. Like mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes was was dominant two years ago, and it seems like he's not that good anymore. It's just corners yeah. kind of just like come and go, and it's such a damn hard position to play. That how many corners are good corners? Like ten. How many are there in the NFL? Like, I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say more than ten. And maybe there's just some guys that we don't know about that we don't classify. Uh, maybe the maybe competition. Stephon Gilmore would would people say right now yeah. is is on par with him? He's been fantastic in yeah. New England. And so so here's the thing with Jalen Ramsey. Like, if we know if we if we feel confident stepping out and saying that there are like ten bona fide good corners in the NFL. And all of these other guys, it, like, that's where the drop-off is. You know, it's almost the same if you're looking at a draft class and they say there are 20 guys in the first round that have that grade, but then there's 60 guys that have a second-round grade. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of how it falls with corners in the NFL right now. Well, if Jalen Ramsey is unanimously in that he's a good corner, yeah. and he's also 24 years old, yeah. uh, I mean, I just... He, he, to me, Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the league. Like, there is not a better player that the Chiefs could acquire. Certainly um, not at a position of need either. Like, this is the glaring hole on the team, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the way I look at it, like, like the, who are the biggest assets in the NFL right now who aren't a quarterback? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're looking at obvious positions of pass rusher, cornerback, receiver, maybe left tackle, I guess. And so who are the prime players of those positions? And who is who's still young? Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, you know, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Denzel Ward, maybe he's coming up, Miles Garrett. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, he's he's gotta be one of the top five assets in the NFL who isn't a quarterback. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's the way you have to look at it. He's twenty three four years old, still hasn't even hit his prime. Uh, I mean, corners, as I said, are a little fickle, so they can kind of fall off, but I mean, he's just a a generational talent, I think you could say, and it's just not the type of player that you get a chance to add much. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at adding him, it, it's kind of the epitome, epitome, am I saying that right? Epo- ep- epitome? Epitome, Jesus. I, <laughs> epitome. I, yeah, yeah, see, I, I look at how the word's spelled, and I and it doesn't, doesn't yeah. add up. Phonetically, you're like, okay, what's, what's, yeah. yeah. So the epitome of two theories that we've kind of been, you know, spitting on this here podcast. One came along just last year. Players are going to want to play with Patrick Mahomes. 
that's that's one thought we just had. Like, man, we're going to be good for a long time. Players are going to want to come here because we're going to be winning and they're going to have a chance to play in the playoffs and, and do all that fun stuff. So that's that's fits it right in with this. Because well, Jalen Ramsey has seen it firsthand twice. Exactly. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jalen Ramsey's character concerns. Um, and that's a worthy discussion for, you know, 26 to 28 teams in the NFL because, you know, how's he going to handle a losing season? Well, that's not really an issue in Kansas City. I just don't see a losing season on the horizon where he's going to freak out. Maybe he freaks out about something else. He's had some some issues with scheming, I guess. But we're going to be winning games, so that's not going to be a a critical factor here with him. Um, And then... uh, Hey, I lost. I lost my train of thought. First time of 2019. There you go. Um, you said there's two things that we talked about. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then the other one, uh, the Seahawks team that we've been modeling after. That the the whole 2019 Chiefs theory was based on because we're going to have these rookie cheap contracts and we're going to have cap space. You're going to be able to throw talent on top of it that you don't need necessarily. It's just, hey, we got the money. We got cheap contracts right now. We can afford to bring you guys in. Jalen Ramsey is that. Like, he's the guy that I think we already have a Super Bowl team, but we can afford to bring this guy in. We can make it work. So bring him in. Like, this this is the talent that you throw on top. He's the cherry on top that, you know, the Michael Bennett and Cliff, Cliff Averill is the guy I always look at for the Seahawks that it's just like, man, they had a good pass rush, and now they just added these two guys, and now they have an absolute dominant pass rush. Like, defense looks better. They're playing at a league average rate right now, which I think is good enough. With you know, we're going to get into this with Chiefs and Patriots. I think it's it's everything setting up for Chiefs and Patriots. Um, so Jalen Ramsey, I don't think it's someone the Chiefs necessarily need, but if you throw him on top right now, my God, like it's just a, a special special team. Well, and if if you want to look at like air quotes everything else aside from like the pure football perspective. Jalen Ramsey might be a tough sell for a lot of people in this fan base. They can go read the article that he stands, the right? Times wrote. Yeah, he stands. Okay. I mean, so that's at least a start. That's good. But you like you can read that article that Mina Kimes wrote in GQ where he trashed like all these different quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he runs his mouth, right? Now for oh, he's, he's sassy. So his sass factor yes. is off the charts. It's phenomenal. I thought about trying to talk like Jalen Ramsey the whole podcast tonight, but decided again. <laughs> so, well, listen, like for for people in let's say like our listener base, Jalen Ramsey is awesome. People think he's great because he talks a lot of trash. He plays really aggressively, and like. He'll stand in front of reporters, and he's pretty eloquent, and he's well-stated, but he curses. He does not check himself at all. So, And I, but, and I love that attitude, and you saw it against the Chiefs. I mean, yeah. he throws Tyreek down, he injures Tyreek, he steps right over him with little respect for, for Tyreek Hill, and that's what I fucking want in my defenders. Like, defensive players in the NFL should be mean. Mm-hmm. Like that, they should be. They should have some meanness to them, or at least some aggression in them, especially out on the field. And so, even as as we were playing them, like I was probably cursing them a little bit, but I was like, "That's, I mean, that's that's what I would want. That's what I would right. want." You just got on my radar for 2020, Jalen Ramsey, and that was that was you know a week ago before this news all came out. Spoken like a real and Dominican Sioux fan hey, over there. Hey. <laughs> so, I mean, here's here's the thing, like. 
he's he's such a good player, and it it looks like this could actually happen. I don't think that we need to get into all of the difficulties when it comes to compensation because they're picking at the end of rounds and all that stuff. Like you guys know that. the The biggest concern for me is if I like if I'm the organization and I'm looking at if we bring this guy in, it is a different variation of Marcus Peters, but a lot of the things that fans didn't like about Marcus Peters, they won't like about Jalen Ramsey. And that's why I say, like, for our listener base, we all think he's awesome, but, like, I don't represent the normal Chiefs fan. Okay. Like, the average well, what do you person think like? what that do you think watches be? the Chiefs and cheers for the Chiefs, there are going to be things about Jalen Ramsey, even just the way that he plays on the field, they're going to, they're going to say, I don't, I don't know, I don't like that. But if the Chiefs are winning and Jalen Ramsey is playing well, maybe that's a moot point. I don't know. Because winning cures everything, not just on a football team, but like for all the people watching it. Well, can you, what specifically do you mean? Because one of the things I didn't like about Marcus Peters is I think he was lazy. Okay. And I don't think Jalen Ramsey will be that. No, definitely not. So are you like what do you like the mean thing that I'm talking about? Just kind of like I a little bit dirty. Just like brash. Andy even kind of came out and called he didn't like his hit. I think is what he said about Jalen Ramsey. So let me let me say it this way. Maybe just some an outspoken the, black man is, is that what we're talking I think about that here? That is we can a, go there. I think that that's a huge part of it. Um, is that like Jalen Ramsey is not afraid to speak his mind? But here's the thing: because of some of the stuff that happened with Peters. Whether it was like arguing with coaches or, you know, the leaving the game because that's, he thought he right. got kicked out and whatever. Like, because of all that stuff. Put his shoe on the on the wrong foot. Whatever. <laughs> because of some of the extracurricular stuff that came with him, I think that stuff like him cursing at reporters, and not like I'm cursing at you, but like being asked questions. And, yeah, I think and, just like you said, I think played that, like shit or something like that. Right. Well, but I, I think that maybe some of that stuff got blown out of proportion because of the other things. Like, yeah, okay. if Marcus Peters was always willing to tackle, then maybe they wouldn't be so upset about, you know, Exhibit B I or whatever. You. A couple of those issues are worthy. I mean, the arguing with coaches thing, uh, I think that was a huge part of the, the Marcus Peters. And there was, there was a divide, I would say. But that's a thing. I mean, you, you don't want players just sitting there bashing on coaches. Um, you know, maybe to, to some degree. Because, I mean, it's... it's you're competitive out there, so you want that fire, but you also can't have players kind of showing up coaches kind of thing. So right. I think that's a legitimate point. I mean, the, the cursing at reporters, I don't give one fuck about. But well, I, I, I agree that some people will. To your point, Jalen Ramsey and Doug Marone got into it oh, yeah. on Sunday, and I think... I, I really wanted details to come out. Like it, it almost seemed like Marone went there kind of thing. And then I kind of saw a different angle, and it looked like the Jaguars players almost jumped up when Jalen said something. So it was kind of hard to say who crossed the line there. But it seemed like something happened that crossed the line. When you see two guys next to him both jump out up out of their seats, mm-hmm. it's just like something was said there that, that shouldn't be said. Well, and I'm, I can't, like, go – we're not going to go over this, you know, 12-second clip. Zapruder like film. Zapruder film. But, I mean, to me, when I saw it, it looked like there was a player that walked over to Ramsey, and he said something, and that's what sparked it. And then I guess I noticed that there are coaches involved in there. And I mean, look, in in I I put it on Twitter. I did not respond to anyone that had anything to say. All I said was, I feel like the Chiefs have a Marcus Peters sized hole at cornerback, and that does not mean 
you know, we shouldn't have traded him or we should have him back or whatever. But, like, no, the I'm... problem that the Chiefs have at corner is that they traded away the guy that was good. Yep. Right? And you can, you know, all the different arguments about how he played last year or whatever. He got hurt. He was in a new city. You've got all these different things. Like, we don't know that last year would have played out the way that it did if he would have stayed in Kansas City. Yep. The decision that the Chiefs made ultimately was to choose Bob Sutton over Marcus Peters because Marcus Peters and Bob Sutton were not agreeing with one another. Eh. I believe that that's the case. There was a whole lot of other things, but eh. like... I would almost lean Clark Hunt, personally. Potentially, yeah. I mean, but like, all, I, Clark's not going to sell the team. It's not like the Chiefs were choosing between... Clark no, but I, it's, it might be that Clark Hunt steps in and like, sure. look, we're, we're losing half our fan base over this player. Like, he's right. got to go. And, and, I and he's the only one that could outrank Andy. Sure. So it's either a Clark Hunt decision or an Andy Reid decision. And I, I just cannot buy the idea that he would choose Bob Sutton over Marcus Peters. And especially because from I've just heard things that like he wanted to move on from Bob Sutton a year earlier than he actually did. Well, let's kind of wrap it all up with this. There are a lot of big-time differences between Jalen Ramsey and Marcus Peters. Jalen Ramsey is a much better player. He's a much more well-rounded player. And I also think that despite some of the arguing with coaches and just kind of being an outspoken, loud-mouthed, honestly kind of obnoxious black man, there's stuff that is going to rub Chiefs fans the wrong way, but I think Jalen Ramsey is going to be a lot easier to embrace than Marcus Peters for a number of the reasons that we've lined this out. And he might be happier here than Marcus Peters ever was. Because, I mean, that's that right. was another factor that Peters clearly wanted to be in California, yeah. not in Kansas City. And I don't think that Ramsey, like, I mean, I don't follow I mean, he went to Jaguars Florida State, so I don't know where he came from or where he was born or anything like that. Right. I think that he's sick of being part of an organization that he doesn't feel like is, like, making winning the number one priority. You know? I, I And I think that he can look at the Chiefs, and as we've said, we've got... Patrick Mahomes, like he couldn't be better positioned to try to win a Super Bowl. Now, the more interesting part of this to me is that From Tennessee, actually. Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Born in Tennessee, you went to high school in Tennessee. All right. Well, I'll tell you this. People have uh, been trying to bring up the point that if you trade for Jalen Ramsey, then you probably have to sacrifice someone else on this team. And whether that's you can't keep Sammy Watkins or you end up not being able to give Chris Jones a contract extension, or yep. what, that like Jalen Ramsey replaces one of the guys that you might assume is a cornerstone going forward. There is a worthy argument to, to not trading for him. Like, yeah. aside from the character stuff, I mean, say it's a first and a second round pick, and it means you can't sign Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a hefty price to... Well, hmm. Here's the thing. Push back. The reason that I, I'm been marinating on this, like, there was all this talk all offseason, this speculation from Chiefs fans, completely unfounded, but, like, could the Chiefs be trading Chris Jones? Are they going to give him a contract extension? What are they going to do? If you trade a first and a second for Jalen Ramsey, and that means that you're not going to re-sign Chris Jones, you know what you get in the offseason? The compensation for trading Chris Jones. And that dude is going to be worth a lot. He may not be worth a first and a second, but you're not just going to be like, here goes all of our draft capital, we've got nothing, because you get to turn around and trade the guy that you're not going to give a contract to. So they'd have to franchise him to do that, right? Uh, I guess, yes. Okay. I believe so, based on, yeah, because he's a second-round pick, so they don't get a fifth-year option. Mm. So, yeah, they'd have to give Chris Jones the franchise tag and then turn around and trade him. Gotcha. 
And but but I mean, think about it. Like worst worst case scenario, you're going to be getting multiple non first round picks for Chris Jones. Like you'll get more than you got for D Ford. He's got no injury history. He's an interior defensive lineman that put up whatever it was, 15 and a half sacks last year. He's going to have undoubtedly another good year this year. Yep. And so if you part ways with him, it's it's getting draft capital back. That's yep. so you're you get to you may not break even, but like you're going to get some of it back. But I mean, you also have Derek Nodding. They took Colin Saunders in the third round. They have to maybe they decide that they're going to give Emmanuel Ogba a contract extension that wouldn't cost anywhere near what Chris Jones does. Mm. Like, there's a lot more flexibility on the defensive line because of the numbers that they have there. And when you look at defensive backs, as we said, like Jalen Ramsey, he is more valuable than Chris Jones. Period. Chris yep. Jones last year probably the best defensive lineman not named Aaron Donald. But I think we still have a lot of questions about. His effort, he runs hot and cold. Yep. You've got all these different things. Like, is he playing for himself? People have asked that question about, like, that he doesn't necessarily worry about playing against the run or holding up. He's not really blocks. a grinder. Like, He's like a, you know, five dominant plays per game. Yeah. And the other 50 plays, like, where is he? Well, kind of guy. Which, he can, which is fine. Which is good on the D-line. Like, that's yeah. that's the kind of player you want, obviously. I don't know if it's the kind of player you want to pay $20 million to. Right. I don't think that... He is in the same category as guys like Aaron Donald or pe- the contract that people have talked about a lot is Fletcher Cox. Yeah, but I don't think that Chris Jones is like a force all game long. No, I just and that was the that was what they said coming out of college and everything else. Like Chris Jones is an extremely likable guy, but if what I have to do is acquire Jalen Ramsey and then get some of that draft capital back and part ways with Chris Jones. I'm picking Jalen Ramsey. Exactly. Like Jalen Ramsey, 100%. he's the kind of talent where you just figure it out. Not enough money, figure it out. Problem in the locker room, figure it out. Scheme, figure it out. Lack of draft picks, figure it out. Yeah. Just, just figure it out. Just get him and then figure it out. He's that type of talent. And I think that I made that argument about Marcus Peters multiple times because of like picking him long before the draft and just being so emotionally attached to that player. Um... Jalen Ramsey is quite literally like on a different playing field than Marcus Peters. Like he is the type of guy that it's like Spags wants to run a lot of zone. Well, Jalen Ramsey is going to play one-on-one against the team's number one receiver and everybody else will figure out what they're going to (laughs) do. They can play zone, but like Jalen Ramsey is going to do what he does best. You know, like that's just, you you make it work with a guy like that. And apparently Jacksonville doesn't have the ability to do it. Um... We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. All right, thanks, Home Depot or someone else. Burger King! Whoever it was. Can't wait to grab a Whopper on the way home. Uh, an impossible Whopper. An impo- <laughs> Right? Yeah! Put it in my mouth. <laughs> That's what she said. And so uh, we want to transition a little bit. Um, one of the other, so we've kind of been thinking about, like, the big stuff and the small stuff. You know, you guys haven't heard from us for a while, and I know that... Um, Should we just give a quick lay of the land? Like, we're going to be doing some shows this year. It's not going to be weekly. Yeah. We're just, we got a lot going on. We want to do these in person because we think it's a better product. So, you know, we're looking at every few weeks kind of thing. Every yeah. month or so, maybe. Like, nothing's set in stone. It's just kind of, hey, there's some chief stuff to talk about. We're going to do this. we got some free time. 
But so that's that's just what the the, the season outlook for amateur hour. I know a right. bunch of you are kind of wondering what we're doing over here. We're gonna do it when we can do it, and we're gonna do it as <laughs> good we as we it. can. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know, consume the other products that are out there. And my God, how many and, cheese podcasts are there? <laughs> I was like, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking about it, and it's like I listen to some people talk about the Chiefs because I like to consume Chiefs, you know, talk. Right? Like I, I love podcasts, and I love the football team. Um, I hate podcasts. Never but listen to them. I tell you this much, and I, I am planting my flag on this. All right, we were the first. Hey, we were the first. The first. I think so. I think that's right. I, I think we were the, the first Chiefs podcast, and certainly the first one that mattered. Shout out Nick Wright, um, <laughs> and, and and you know Kent Babb and Sam Mellinger and all, all the guests that would come on that people would listen to, and then ultimately they got stuck with us for a bunch of years after that. And you know we've still been able to have our presence graced by the likes of you know Danny Parkins and Nick Wright every once in a while. Maybe if we're lucky, we can get Nick Wright on one of our five episodes this season. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, last time I was in this room, we we were slamming Danny Parkins because he thought <laughs> Mitch Trubisky could be as good as Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Boy, Actually, was that a joyous ninety minutes? <laughs> somebody somebody uh, sent us a tweet today that was like, you know, I listened to the Danny Parkins podcast from last year. And boy, does he sound bad talking about <laughs> Mitch yes. Trubisky. I did not see that, but yeah. I, I do remember. He was saying it was like... Oh, he was, it was like he was fighting for his guy, for his hometown guy. Like, Danny, you are way off base here. <laughs> right. He basically said, like, it's a really interesting listen now. Essentially that, you know, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> has won an MVP and Mitch Trubisky is... Mitch Trubisky. Uh, that's a shame. So, alright. Um, moving on. Let's talk about uh, the one team that has long stood in the way of pretty much everyone else in the AFC, the seemingly ageless Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. What are you, what are you thinking about this, Dirk? I know, like, this, this is... The Patriots are our biggest rivals. I care more about playing and beating the Patriots, honestly, like even in the regular season, than I do about the Raiders or the Broncos or the Chargers. Like, I want the Pats. Yeah. We want Bama. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, there's competitive rivals and then there's, you know, historical rivals. Mm-hmm. And there's not there's not a whole lot of history between Chiefs and the Patriots, obviously. But competitive rivals right now, I mean, this is just setting up like a, a heavyweight fight at this point. And it's just like it's like the Chiefs and Patriots are making moves against one another. Just just move and counter move about who can position themselves to be the best come January. And it's just, I, I, it, I mean, the, they met in the AFC Championship last year, and I just feel like both teams have improved greatly for this season. Mm-hmm. And it's just, right now, it's hard to see anyone else in the AFC Championship. Obviously, a lot can change between now and then. And I'm sure one of the divisional games between, you know, if one of those divisional games will be close, you know, like whether they can pull it out or whatnot. But it's just all signs right now are pointing to Chiefs versus Patriots. And I remember a few months ago looking at the Patriots and just being like, they don't have any weapons. Like this Patriots team isn't going to be able to, to, to stack up. I mean, they got Julian Edelman. Gronk is gone. Julian Edelman's a year older, and he was looking a little washed last year before the playoffs, I guess. Uh, and that was it. And that was before they added Josh Gordon, obviously. That was before, I mean, who else they got now? 
Antonio Brown, Brown. obviously. Uh, I, was thinking they, I was thinking they added someone else in there, but you know they still got their dominant running. Oh, and I guess the defense. I just didn't account for how good their defense is going to be. And I mean, like really, really under the radar signing for them. A guy that I think you were really hoping the Chiefs would nab. Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins back in New England, man. They know exactly how to use him. I don't know like why they ended up parting ways with him in the first place, yeah. but that's he's going to be a problem. Yeah, I, uh, I remember hating that because it was just like a hometown discount signing, and you know yeah. it's just like why didn't the Chiefs do that? But it could just be like he wanted to go back to New England. Yeah, I mean he probably didn't want to leave in the first place, and Belichick was like, "But someone wants to give me way more than you're worth." Yeah. Don't worry, you'll be back soon. You'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, honestly, I think the only team in the AFC outside of the Chiefs and Patriots, and listen, maybe this is a huge overreaction because we're only two weeks into the season, the only other team that's even, like, remotely in that conversation is the Ravens, and, like, we'll get to them, all right? Um, Clearly, we're playing them on Sunday. We'll have that conversation. But I don't really see any other team that is truly going to impact what happens in the AFC Championship game. It is the maybe Chiefs the, and the Patriots. Maybe the Texans if they figure some things out, but you know I just don't trust Bill O'Brien. But they, I think, I think the Texans have the pieces if they can figure it out, and it's a big if. And and a lot of that is on the the shoulders of Deshaun Watson, who gets hit more than anybody in the league. Yeah. So I mean they they've got their issues. When I look at this Chiefs Patriots matchup, like. You know, you mentioned that it is kind of like a heavyweight fight, and there's, you know, this parry and joust of, you know, they're kind of trying to... Parry and joust? Yeah, so it's... What, a parry is like I got Jack Johnson, and I got... I can never remember the other guy. Uh, I don't know. There's no chance. I don't know. No, like a parry is like a block. Oh, okay. You know, you're jousting and you... you I parry people all the time on Twitter. Whatever. Uh, listen, I'm reading 1850s British literature. Give me a break for some of my really bad anecdotes. Um, all right, here's the deal. The Chiefs and Patriots are essentially like trying to kind of counterpunch one another with some of these moves. And say what you want about how he got there and maybe how long he'll be eligible to play and all these other things. I mean, when in our in our group chat with our extended family down in Bogota, we're, we're talking about Antonio Brown, and I'm like, if the Chiefs don't add a corner, we're going to lose. It's over. I'm like, we're done. We're toast. We cannot defend that offense, period. And, I mean, I was at that point, like, completely 100% convinced all they did was add, oh, wait, probably the best receiver in the NFL over the last five years, and he's perfect for that offense. He's the best route runner in the league. And, like, what are we going to do? We couldn't defend them last year when Chris Hogan was one of their starting receivers. We're completely screwed. And now, seemingly, the Chiefs are looking at adding someone the likes of Jalen Ramsey. I mean, if the Chiefs actually do, at some point, end up bringing in a corner that is... In that stratosphere, we've already established that there are very, like very few guys that compare to Jalen Ramsey. But like, if they get Patrick Peterson, if they get Xavier Howard or Xavier Rhodes or some guy that we're not thinking of, that move is not just because like clearly they have some issues at corner. Like that move to me is a direct 
retaliation to the Patriots and the moves that they have made. Yeah. Because oh, like yeah. that's that's who you're looking at. And so most of this to me, it comes from I listened to I wanna say that it was Andy Reid talking to Cowherd. And he was talking about how, you know, listen, we've we've talked to Pat Mahomes and we asked him about the Patriots and essentially he said, Look, like you can't you can't go a full half without scoring points. And when you're playing in a game of those stakes against that team, we have to be like way more fluid. We have to make adjustments on the fly. We can't wait until halftime to adjust what we're doing. And don't get me wrong, it worked, right? They score zero points and they go out and they put up 30 in the second half. They were able to make the adjustments and it worked, but they made them the way that Pat Mahomes said it, too late. Yep. And the, Andy, the Belichick defensive game plan in that first half is what won them that game. Absolutely. And and Andy Reid, upon hearing that, said, you know what? It's a really smart observation by a really smart player. And like we're gonna we're gonna play New England, you know. And it's certainly we're gonna play him in the regular season, but he's like, when the stakes are that high, you you gotta make adjustments faster. And to me, when I hear Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid having this conversation. And maybe they had already had it, but it seemed like Pat gets interviewed. He says, this is a problem, and this is something that we have to address. And then Andy Reid hears Pat Mahomes say that. It then gets told to him, and he turns out and says, damn, yeah, we absolutely do. We can't wait until halftime. We have to be willing to. If after two drives they're doing stuff, like then we ought to do something different. Like, we can't wait. But, like, time is of the essence. And it just says to me that this marriage between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, it, not only is it, like, the most essential part of where the Chiefs are at right now, but I genuinely believe that those two respect each other, they listen to each other, they work together. I, it, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to see Andy Reid still just like sitting on the bench with Pat mm-hmm. when the defense is on the field. Like that wasn't just a year one thing. That's like a no. They're best friends. <laughs> like those two are are inseparable. Yeah. And if if those two are really going to be able to bring out the best in each other, I mean, we've we've gone over millions of times how we think that you know Andy Reid clock management is overblown and all these different things, but like. You kind of have this this wealth of knowledge in Andy Reid that's able to bring all these things that Patrick Mahomes has maybe never seen, never thought of, and yet you also have the young guy and how aggressive he is, and he's going to be able to fight back against maybe some of Andy's worst tendencies. And, like, I think that we're seeing it. I mean, we certainly, like, saw great things last year, but, like, I, I, think, I think they're going to do it. I think I fucking I think they're gonna do it. Ryan's going around. <laughs> like I just it's it's really exciting to hear those two, certainly especially as far as it relates to the Patriots to kind of bring it full circle, like they get it. They know. Like that's the team that we have to go through. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Brett Veach is gonna make every single move and say, How do we beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Because once you beat them and once that guy's gone I mean maybe then you're just positioned to continue to beat everybody else but like they have to have a bigger plan in mind than just New England 
But you bet your ass they're looking at the Patriots saying, how do we beat these guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was, I, I kind of went back and, and thought about that playoff game. Because, you know, you, you were, you were kind of asking, like, how are we going to stop that offense? And, and I just thought about, like, the big plays, the plays that stand out from that game. Like, what, what plays stand out from that game, from the Patriots offense? Like, what first comes to mind? Uh, converting all of the third downs in overtime, running the same play like three straight times on third and ten, and we just couldn't stop Julian Edelman. Exactly. Patriots knew the Chiefs' defense, it's a, and, and that, I think that was the advantage. I think that was the takeaway. They knew what kind of defense were going to be in third and ten. They had a play that were going to beat it, and they were saving it for that third and ten, and they even ran it multiple times, and it still didn't. Like There was a, there was a, some video with Bill Belichick, yeah, and he was just video like, with McDaniel. yeah, we pretty much yeah. just run the same play here, and it's, it, mm-hmm. it was very frustrating to hear. Mm-hmm. But Bob Sutton's gone. What else stands out? To be honest, that's what I remember from okay. what New England did to the Chiefs other than preventing us from scoring in the first half. Gronkowski had two big plays, mm, matched yeah. up one-on-one against Eric Berry. Yep. Both those players are now gone. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them in the league, actually. <laughs> uh, right before halftime, Philip Dorsett catches a jump ball over Steven Nelson. Okay. Steven Nelson's now gone. The Patriots' offense, most of the game, leaned on their running game. Mm-hmm. That was that was what they went to more often than not, and, and we knew it all season that it was coming. Mm-hmm. And you know, we just thought we could outscore them, and you could, you know, you're not going to be able to score enough by running the ball. Well, the Patriots are smart, they're efficient, they got Brady in playoffs on third downs, but and all that. Hopefully, the run defense is fixed. So all of these issues that really stand out, the 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 big issues that like, man, that was our chance right there. All those issues. Or gone, like or changed, or new, or different. So I I look at it like a whole new matchup. I don't look at it like the Patriots add these pieces, so we're not going to be able to stop them. I think it's just going to be two completely new teams. The problem is Patriots got way better mm-hmm. because they didn't have Josh Gordon in the game. So you know they have Edelman and Gronk and their running game. Now they got Edelman, no Gronk, a running game, James White out of the backfield, Josh Gordon. Uh, Antonio Brown, all of this. So obviously it's new, but I just, my pushback and, and my reason for hope for Chiefs fans, because everyone's just kind of, everyone's just ready to freak out about the defense. We give up a touchdown to the Raiders, and it's just, oh, this defense is the exact same. And I think the defense actually had a pretty damn good game. They made adjustments against the Raiders. They showed, you know, some of their talent. They're playing, they're 16th in DVOA right now, which I think before the season a lot of us were just kind of like, if the defense can be league average, we are a Super Bowl contending team. That's what they are right now. Um, so I just wanted to point out that it's not like a 1v1 kind of thing. Like with, we're, I don't think there's going to be that much to take away from that AFC Championship to apply to this year's future AFC Championship is the point I'm getting at. Well, and listen, this isn't meant to like poke holes in your, your argument or your thought process here, but the one thing that you got to remember, and don't get me wrong, like maybe this plays into our hands, but... Bill Belichick and Steve Spagnuolo got history, too. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, you know, Spags talked about all the things that he learned while he was away from football for a year and all the different ways that he's looking at evaluating what are they doing in college, what are they doing in high school. Like, he wants to find out, you know, how to not be this, like, sterile, stagnant version. I'm just going to run my system over and over and over mm-hmm. again, which is great. Like, that's a great sign for a guy that's been around this long, Right. 
And maybe some of that is Andy Reid because he's such an innovator. And that was one of the complaints that we had about Bob Sutton was like, I don't understand how Andy Reid could be like on the cutting edge of offense in the NFL, and yet Bob Sutton is like, well, we have to do this. At least, you know, the latter years of his tenure, we're just going to do the same things over and over and hope that, like, our talent wins out. Yeah. When we weren't talented enough to play like that. Well, I mean, maybe Spagnolo. I mean, I saw a stat that Eli Manning has not won a playoff game outside of the two Super Bowl runs, which is amazing to me. Never won another playoff game outside of the two times that they ended up, you know, going to the Super Bowl. And if you look at that defense and the things that they were able to do, like, I don't know. I guess they just figured it out. They were able to figure it out for one day. I mean, 2007 is one of probably the most impressive defensive performances that any team has ever put together. Yeah, that's undefeated Patriots, you know, second best offense in the NFL history, I think, behind the Peyton Broncos year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... It's unbelievable what they and really do. I, the era changed so much that I would I would say that 07 Patriots team is on another level. Just I mean yeah. the the dynamic the dynamis dynamicism dynamism dynang dynamic I give up. But Randy Moss is a good football player. <laughs> is what I'm getting at. He's quite good. <laughs> well. I, I mean, listen. So that was just, I just want to give hope to people that are just kind of, we couldn't stop them last year, and the Patriots got better, so there's no hope to stop them this year, because I think it'll just be all new. And, you know, maybe they come up with something new, because the Patriots do all the time, and Brady's great, and they have immense talent right now on that side of the ball, but I just don't think it's, it's not like a one-for-one one thing here. Uh, my cat is currently trying to balance... On the back of like a bag chair, stadium chair, as you know that like they don't they don't actually have like a back. Like he's trying trying to figure it out. Um, so listen, here's the deal. You me- you mentioned a lot of this stuff about the defense and um, early returns on the Chiefs' defense, sixteenth in DVOA. Not not too bad. What's really interesting is that, I mean, I sure people were. Like worried at the beginning of the Raiders game, and ultimately the Chiefs only gave up ten points. And you know, I didn't really think the defense did anything particularly special on Sunday against the Raiders, and yet they allowed them to score on their first two possessions, and then proceeded to have them, you know, throw two interceptions and six punts. Like the Chiefs' defense completely shut them down outside of the first quarter. Yep. Um, they they had a great day. I look at. It's not just all the new pieces. It's taking some of the guys that were already here and putting them in better positions. So, like, let's let's look at probably the main culprit here in Anthony Hitchens. Chiefs fans, like, we all have to just send, like, all, all of the good vibes that we can muster out of our loins. We have to send every positive vibe to Anthony Hitchens. Because if you look at that contract... Listen, that dude is serving a full presidential term in this town, whether we like it or not. There's not an out. He has to be here for two more years after this one. Like, that's just the way that this works. So we need Anthony Hitchens to be the best possible version of himself. And, I mean, listen. But only John Dorsey hands out bad contracts, by the way. Only only John Dorsey does. Correct. But on that, I watched a little clip. We've, oh. got, we've got all these great guys that break down the film. I'm watching our buddy Craig Stout. And he's got 
this play, and Anthony Hitchens is like gonna meet Jacobs in the hole, and then Jacobs cuts outside, and Hitchens goes right to him. And it's like just getting to watch Anthony Hitchens. I mean, maybe there were a dozen times that Anthony Hitchens did that last season, but I don't remember any of them. Um, and and this one I saw yesterday. So hey, that's cool. Um, I I just I'm really really hoping that. I think it's probably everyone has heard from anyone that talks about the Chiefs and probably even said it themselves. I really just hope that, like, the new voice in the room, you know, and it's it's not having to listen to Bob Sutton anymore for the guys that are still here and were frustrated. But then you also get the new voices, guys like Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and whomever else they brought in that, you know, might might be a vocal leader in the locker room. And really, I thought that was going to be an improvement just in itself. Just in just in replacing Bob Sutton with anybody. Just getting a new voice in there. Because just having the same coach for five years or so, it's just, it, it, I think it wears down. Like, it kind of, you just start to tone it out. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay, yeah, yeah, I know what he's going to say here. I know what he's what we're talking about. Yada, yada. Like, just getting a new voice in there and preaching something new. And something, I, I actually went up to training camp, um, you know, back then. Uh, with Craig, and he was he was pointing out just how vocal um, Spagnuolo was with the defense. Like, he's just out there coaching when he's like, in years past, you know, Bob Sutton's just kind of sitting on the sideline not really doing much. Granted, you know, he's had the system going for four or five years, so maybe there's not as much to teach to the defenders. Mm-hmm. But Spagnuolo actually out there doing a lot more coaching, way more hands-on with the defense. Here's what I want. And, you know, just, just things like that, I think, was going to bring, you know, an improvement. Even if Spagnuolo is not a great defensive coordinator, like that's just going to bring an improvement in itself. And with the new players that you talked about, I think it's I think it's bringing in a new attitude. And I just feel like the Chiefs had gotten a little lazy on defense. Like we talked last year all the time about how they would let teams run on them because, you know, they would get out to a big lead and they're running the clock. And I I think they want to move away from that just because stopping the run is an attitude thing. And you need players with an attitude, and I think the Chiefs were just kind of lazy in that regard. And I think that, I think you can blame the coaches for that, and I think definitely blame Sutton. And I think it goes all the way up to Andy Reid just as a philosophy that I think he was okay with teams running the ball, and that eventually led to problems of never being able to turn it back on. Like, it wasn't an on-off switch. It was just a, you know, we cannot stop the run. And that was ultimately the downfall against New England. Well, and it's interesting because I think that like you said, if you get into the habit of just kind of allowing teams to do that, it can kind of create bad habits by your players. and Which leads to a lot of regular season wins, but when we needed it against the Patriots, and, and really, I, let me clarify, I don't think, the run defense wasn't that bad against the Patriots, but I think we had to sell the farm to stop the run. Mm-hmm. So I think we made a point like, hey, we have to stop the run, so it's it's... You know, we're paying extra close attention to this instead of just like, here's our front, you guys stop the run, we'll worry about the pass. And that's even with all of the defensive changes that they made last year. I mean, they had a draft in which they took only defensive players, and they were talking about, you know, Brett Veach had those comments after they allowed the Titans to run up and down the field, after they allowed... Pittsburgh to run up and down the field and basically said, like, you got to want to. Like, this is not okay. And so we're going to get guys that, you know, buy into the idea that, like, stopping the run. It is an attitude. It's a decision. You have to want to do that. And 
you know, they tried to make those changes. And <clears throat> I don't know if right now all the pieces that they have, like if, if that defense is built to be able to do it. I don't know. I don't know if the mentality of some of these players is all that they need. Because, listen, I'll tell you this much. Frank Clark, I didn't go out to training camp. Every single day, I heard about him. Every day. And that's not just because he's the shiny new toy. I mean, Matthew's out there too, right? Um, But I heard so much about what Frank Clark was doing, the way that he communicated, the way that he was playing. Like, this dude is 110%. Every single snap, brazen attitude, and and yeah, and you look. I mean, he's replacing D Ford, who doesn't <laughs> right. quite bring an attitude. He's great at one thing, getting after the passer, and you know he was good at that, and that's that's good enough to have a very long career, successful career in the NFL. But you know, you want a grinder, you want someone who's gonna you know going all out every play, who's getting in the muck and stopping that. And Frank Clark has that in spades over D Ford. Well, and with Clark, it's like all right, so through two games. Against, I think, both times, backup tackles. I mean, maybe the Raiders weren't playing their backup tackle, but he's like a replacement-level player as far as most it's, people. Uh, it's the concerned. guy that he owned last year, right? Colton Miller. Yeah. Um, so, but, I mean, the Jags were on their third-string left tackle in Week 1. Yeah. And, like, we haven't really seen a whole lot in the pass-rush productivity nope. department from Frank Clark so far. But that dude works his ass off against the run, mm-hmm. and I've seen him completely... Got a, got a screen pass he totally yeah. blew up this week. Like, y- you see him out there. He hasn't made the big plays that you you know, you know want from somebody to give up a first-round pick and pay him a ton of money. Uh, you want to see more plays on him. It's, it's two weeks, so um, there's no panic there from me yet. Um, but yeah, you, you do want to see more. I also think that, I mean, the Chiefs are in a position right now where, I mean... I don't remember exactly the tenor of the Jacksonville game, but I feel like it was over pretty quick. And with the Raiders game, yeah, you're down to nothing, but then it's 28 to 10 at halftime, and like you don't feel that the Raiders are a threat to you that much. Spagnolo, much like Andy Reid, because of the creativity that Spagnolo's always been known for, so as far as the way that he draws up his blitzes and everything. He doesn't have to put things on tape. Why? Exactly. Like, what's the point? Exactly. You know, and don't get me wrong, there's things that they are practicing all the time, and certainly at some point, you know, different points in the season, you got to pick your shots and say, let's try this, let's see how this looks when we're doing it in a game, and figure out maybe do we need to tweak this or that. I mean, Sunday's going to be, I think, potentially like the coming out party of the Steve Spagnolo defense. Not that that means that they're going to like always be successful. I mean, I would not be surprised if the Ravens scored four touchdowns on Sunday. But I think that Spagnolo, as our friend Joe Dice at Pulse of the Chiefs on Twitter, was talking about like, listen, man, like you can't when you are playing against the Ravens, like Spagnolo's got to dial it up. Like he is going to have to be really creative in how he's going to get after them because Lamar Jackson has all the time in the world to throw the same way that for the most part Mahomes has had over the first couple games. I mean, he's been hit a little bit, but like that's him hanging. Yeah, outside on of a, the very a small moment. stretch in the second quarter when he gets hit like five plays in a row or something, uh, pass protection been really good. Uh, and to that point, you know, something we talked about for years was the Andy Reid shutdown mode, mm-hmm. and that's just because that was based on. If you have to use scheme and design to succeed, like, there's a limit to how much you can do. 
and you don't want to give it all away. Like you want to save it for, for the right time. Now you have the offense and you have all these toys. I don't, I don't, there's no limit for the Chiefs offense right now. Like you can just, you can go out there, hey, we're just going to throw the ball to Sammy Watkins. It doesn't take much scheme and design to do that. You just have great players everywhere. But where I think you might see it is on defense. You might see a little Steve Spagnolo shutdown mode. Mm. Like in that Jaguars game, you know, we get up to whatever lead. Nick Foles goes out. We got this rookie quarterback coming in. Hey, I don't, I don't think he can do much. You know, let's let's shut it down a little bit. And I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. And this this might sound similar to like the run defense thing I was just talking about, but I think it's a little different because run defense would be more about like attitude, whereas this would be more about scheme and design and confusing the opponent kind of thing. So I think you want them to continue playing with attitude, but you don't necessarily want to show all of your defensive concepts and design, you know, in a game when you don't need to against a rookie quarterback with Jacksonville. And, and granted, he tore us up when we when we didn't do it. Uh, but, you know, over the long haul, that I think you might see that philosophy transfer from the def- from what we did with the offense with Alex Smith and his limitations now over to the defense with Steve Spagnuolo and the limitations on defense. Well, and, and the thing is, is that, like, we haven't seen change on this team outside of going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes in a long time. Since Andy Reid and Bob Sutton got here, I mean, you're talking just same two guys, same offense, same defense, and you might see some turnover with the players, but, like, they've just been doing the same stuff for so long yep. that when you do see a major change, and that major change is the most remarkable season by a second-year player in the history of the NFL, he goes out and wins the MVP, like, we're going to have to be patient, right? Because when we were first looking at we're going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. It's not about what Pat looks like in week four or week five. It's what Pat looks like when we're getting into December and January. So maybe we have to temper our expectations. And then Pat goes out and throws five touchdowns on the road at Pittsburgh. And we're like, well, God, I don't know. Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. <laughs> feel pretty good. <laughs> so, I, but I do feel like that is like something that we got to keep in mind as far as this defense is concerned. Because... Even if you just look at the personnel packages and the fact that they're trying to acquire Jalen Ramsey, presumably, like that can change a lot if they end up bringing in a corner of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. Well, even if they don't, there's still so much that Spagnolo is tinkering with. I mean, dude, Ben Neiman is yeah, playing, playing out there. a lot. And I mean, listen. I dream of Ben Neiman. All right, like I he's, dream he's of Ben Neiman. One of my guys. I loved preseason Ben Neiman in 2018. Hey, girl, I just can't wait to recapture that magic moment. I'm of more Ben of a, Neiman in the preseason. I'm more of a Quivira kind of guy, personally. Yeah. Well, I I just shout I, out to the Johnson County folks. <laughs> I just think that Spagnuolo is in a place right now where. You know, he got to do a little bit. He's still getting accustomed to the players and figuring out who's going to do what best because you can do stuff in training camp, you can do stuff in preseason. It's still going to look different, right? I mean, everybody was having conversations last year about how the first four weeks were an extension of the preseason and how bad some teams looked out of the gate and then they're able to kind of figure it out and they get to a better place. I mean, I think even the Patriots looked kind of rough at the beginning of the year last year. It looks pretty rough for a lot. It's very, very different this year, yeah. given the competition, and then they get to play these Jets coming up on Sunday. Um, but, I mean, here's the deal. I think it's going to take a while for Spagnuolo to really, really, really figure out who he has, what they do well, 
and like how he can best use them. And if he's also very slowly introducing different concepts because he doesn't want to put things on tape, I think that this defense is going to look a lot different in December than it does right now because he's just there's so much that they're still trying to figure out. You know, it's you, a pretty fluid defensive situation. Do you think the corner I don't think the corners are as big a weakness as everybody else seems to. I think Breland's showing some things. He really looks like my boy Sean Smith out there. Really does. Just I just you know uh He's uh, not as big and imposing. But. <laughs> not phonetically is not the word, but uh, uh, anatomically or right. something yeah. along those lines. Um, he looks like Sean Smith. Mo Claiborne's going in. Uh, I don't know what he has in the tank. You're not a huge Mo Claiborne guy, are you? I mean, is there anyone that's a huge Mo Claiborne guy other than like his family members? I don't know. Or, who's, like, who's actually watched like Mo Claiborne? Matthew, like, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> uh, I, it feels like such a a like for like in the Orlando Skandrick thing, like. They were both drafted in the first round by the Dallas Cowboys and weren't good for most of their careers. And he's younger. Ended, ended up here in Kansas City. He's younger, isn't he? Uh, I mean, I think he's a couple years younger, but like, like they drafted him because it wasn't really working out with the Scandy Man, <laughs> and like neither one of them really became the players that their draft position said that they Scandy should. Scandy Man, he really had a good eight weeks last year. He really did. I think that people have completely overlooked how fantastic he was early in the yeah. year because then he just. Fell off yeah. the cliff. And he wasn't even play at the end of the year. And it was fine because they put Charverius Ward in there. So, and Charverius Ward, uh, I think he's definitely the weak link. I do think he had his best game against Oakland on Sunday. I thought, I thought he played really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Kendall Fuller, I thought he played all right, too. I mean, he's had his, his problems. He had one really bad play uh, on their touchdown, I think. I think yeah. he was he kind of like fell down on the ground. Uh, had a really nice breakup later in the game. So I just don't think the group is that weak overall. I think it might be the biggest weakness on the team. But I don't think it's like this huge hole that everybody else is really making out to me. Well, I think the fear uh, that we have is, I mean, how many times have we seen the Charvarius Ward movie before? Whether it's well, he's, you know, Marcus Cooper or it's Terrence, one of the Terrences, Smith? Terrence Williams or... Terrence Smith? Oh, no, he's the no, linebacker. Terrence Smith was the linebacker. Hung around forever. The 39. Terrence Mitchell. Teammates, hey, there you go. Still around, um, but like they, they've gone through these guys that had like a oh this promising five or six games, and then you know it just it's, I don't think it he even had that. I don't. Did he have a promising game? Uh, Terrence think, Mitchell? No, Shavarius Ward he uh, just kind of played, and I I don't think he was terrible from the start. I think yeah, I think he had some. But like, he, he should be coming off the field when Claiborne comes in. Yeah, I mean, I think that these four weeks. Are an audition, yeah. and it might be more like six if they're trying to make sure that Claiborne's in shape. Like, I don't think he can be at the facility while he's suspended. Like, you're not even allowed to be with the team. So, I mean, who knows if that's being monitored? But, <laughs> like, I it it will be interesting to see how they approach that. But I mean, any liable, uh, liable, viable man, we are any, we're rusty. We rusty. Any viable welcome to amateur hour option that the Chiefs have on the corner market now, as far as trades are concerned, like, it's a team that's thrown in the mix, right? So clearly, the Chiefs think that it's an issue, right? Like, they're aware. Um, I mean, the big thing, I think, is that with Ward, like, if he does, you know, play poorly, um, then you're down to just Claiborne as your only other option. Yeah. I mean... Like, we don't even have Traymond Smith anymore. Like, it's, what, Rashad, oh. Rashad Fenton? Yep. Like, I mean, I'm not that Traymond Smith was great, but, like, 
they at this point they have they only have four active corners on the roster. We have eleven active offensive linemen. And don't get me wrong, like protect him at all costs. I don't care how many linemen it takes. We could have 15 offensive linemen if it meant that Pat was okay. That would have been my second half game plan versus the Jaguars once uh, Pat got hurt. 10 offensive linemen in Mahomes. Yeah. Just snap it and block and then waste as much time as you can and throw it away. Do you, okay, I want to. It's funny that you mentioned this. There was a play during the offseason and someone had put it up and it was this really awesome sort of misdirection thing and there were linemen that were involved in it and you had retweeted it and you were like this is awesome and it got me thinking like at what point are we going to end up seeing like an, a handoff to an offensive lineman like we've seen all <laughs> Wait, these that things. was the play a handoff to an offensive lineman I don't think they did no, okay. but like it made me think that because especially all the ways left, that Andy left tackle around draws up these these like middle screens to a tight end and You've got all this weird movement and stuff. Like, Andy Reid's all about all that. Like, and, and, I mean, here's the problem. I don't know who the guy is. Like, if we had Shaq Mason, the dude that plays in, in New England that was part of that Georgia Tech offense, and he was only, like, 285 pounds, like, yeah, give me that little bowling ball of an athlete. I'll hand him it. I'll, I'll give him the ball. But, you know, anyway, we, I digress. We did get Andy's week one play that you're seeing – Widely used across the NFL right now. The Watkins drag. Yeah, with the drag, the dragon up, mm-hmm. the dragon up. Dragon uh, up. But yeah, and it just led to a wide open touchdown. You're seeing it all over the NFL. Marquise Goodwin caught that for a touchdown this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else ran it, but it's just Andy's Andy's annual Week One play call that everybody just steals. Last year it was the pop pass on the goal line. Uh-huh. Everybody started using it. Two years ago, it was the Kareem Hunt vertical route that we saw against the Patriots. Got him wide open mm-hmm. uh, for a touchdown down the field. It's just it's amazing Don't forget, that he in like what was it 2013, 2014? The downfield screen, the downfield screen, yes. Donnie Avery. Yes, <laughs> we had him, and now like we don't, we can't, we can't do that. Anymore. Nobody does it's, it anymore. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's been bad. They had to shelve it. Um, I, I mean, I would say that if if we want to try to fully encapsulate. That cornerback conversation, I'm I'm with you. I don't think that the corners are like, holy crap, that bad. But we've played two bad offenses. Um, I mean, Sunday will be interesting, you know? And, and I think that the big thing for them is that they just don't have the personnel that gives you confidence. The question that I felt like I was asking myself all offseason was like, Man, if we think that there are only five or ten good corners in the NFL, like, how, we can't just easily get our hands on one. Like, are, is it that bad? Like, we, we don't know who's good. If, yeah, if that's like, true, I mean, you could argue that the way to approach it is to just not throw money at the position unless you have one of those guys, yeah. which is kind of what the Chiefs did. I mean, they're, they're not, I mean, Breland is making. Peanuts, right? Uh, Claiborne, I don't remember. His, it was like three million or something. Like yeah, not paying him, no. we're not paying any of our corners anything. So at least we're not like we're not like a negative at the position because we're not like we're wasting money there. Kind of like you know Anthony Hitchens maybe at least last year. Uh, hopefully he figures it out. But it's not like we're doing that. Uh, so I don't think we've been terribly dumb about it. Uh, but you know, it's not not great. Obviously. I think that's it's just hard to get caught. Like who's yeah. How can you be a good corner in, in the league right now? Like, it's just yeah. such an impossible position to play. Well, and it's like, even if you do have a good one, like, 
teams are going to put four receivers on the field against you at some point in the game, and then, like, good luck. We just won't throw to that guy, you know? And and I think that for a lot of people, there's frustration among Chiefs fans because it's almost like Brett Veach is like, dude, did you forget? Like, what's happening here, man? What is going on? Like, it seems like you've addressed everything else. Did you run out of time? Did you run out of assets? Because, like, you do know that, that we need someone here, right? I mean, it just didn't seem like they did a whole lot to try to address the position in the offseason. And, I mean... Really, I, I mean, the free agents at corner were pretty lousy. Oh, yeah. This offseason. But, I mean, I've, I've had some low moments, man. I've had some low moments looking at that three-year, $25 million deal that Steve Nelson got in Pittsburgh and being like, that doesn't look so bad. I'd love to have Steve Nelson on my team right it's now. Possible. You it's know. possible. I'm well, ready to trash that dude. He has had a good couple weeks. I mean, I've watched the Steelers like, okay, all right, roasted Nelson tie. Here we go. He's going to get eaten up, and he's and he's not pretty good. Yeah. Except for that one highlight where he like covers his own guy, but I don't think it's really it's kind I of blown. Steve Nelson was, for all intents and purposes, like a league average player. That's kind of and like that's fine. I would agree with that. You and know? I was maybe thought he was a little worse than that. So um, I'm ready to eat crow if he's if he's better than that. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> two weeks, yeah, two weeks. That's fine. I I guess for me. Um, I feel a sense of urgency there because I don't want to have this thing play out that we've seen multiple times before where it's, God, like, I don't know if it's the wrong call that got us because Justin Houston is covering Antonio Brown 50 yards downfield in a playoff game, or I don't know if we just don't have the talent to be able to cover Julian Edelman on third and 10 in a playoff game. Like, I don't know if it's Dunta Robinson and Brandon Flowers and everybody else is getting hurt. They're banging their heads on that Astro turf in, in Indianapolis, and then we can't stop them either. Like, it just, we've seen it happen so many different times. And the biggest thing that I think probably causes a lot of fear for people is because of how few guys they even have at the position, right? Like, any team that would only have four active cornerbacks on a game day you would think that they're really confident in those guys. But I think that the Chiefs are kind of the opposite of that because they're in the corner market like trying to find the right guy to add to the group. And meanwhile, we don't even have like any viable backups. To the like, point where I think that like let's I- say if Kendall Fuller got hurt on Sunday, like they would just move one of the safeties that's exactly, that's to saying. corner. I was thinking they just move Matthew to play slot corner. And or like, Thornhill has a little bit of corner experience, a little slot. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's I think like, that's I think that would be their play, but it's not what you want. Like you, know, we don't want that. Yeah, you know, it's roster flexibility, but it's and that's I think that that like people Chiefs fans like your fears are totally founded. You know, I'm with you that like I don't think it's as bad as we've made it out to be, but the problem just, is just, that it can like plummet super. Yeah, fast. for sure. And I just I think people are like Chiefs have like the worst set of corners in the NFL, and I think I was just like man, I think if you really looked around the NFL like. Pick a random like the Seahawks. What do the what do the Seahawks have a corner? Uh, they got one of the, the Griffins. One of the Griffins, and I don't know who the other. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell. It's just some guys. Yeah, like maybe they're all right. Maybe they're not. Who knows? I mean, look at Arizona with Pat Peterson suspended. Like I don't know anyone that's playing corner for them. Tampa Bay, terrible pass defense last year. It's done okay this year. Uh, I don't know who they got. They got Hergraves. Yeah. He was supposedly bad. Now he seems okay. Who knows? All right. So I mean, listen, we've we've gone this long. And we haven't really talked about the offense yet. I mean, we have, sort of. 
But, is there anything to even say? I mean, listen. <laughs> I know that uh, the people... Just fire up some Pornhub. It's the same, it's the same <laughs> feeling. The people have waited. They have waited long enough. It's time for the 2019 edition of Sammy Watch. You did it wrong. What did I do wrong? Oh, wait, no, I fucked it up. I don't. What do you mean? Kins. <laughs> um, I was going to go dramatic on it. I actually forgot how it was done. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to say the watch later. Watch! <laughs> um, in this first inaugural 2019 edition of Sammy Watch, I just want to ask you one question. <laughs> It's always been my guy. Is, is Sammy Watkins good? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously his first week was, was fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't Sa- know. Sammy Watkins, he's, he's same as he always was to me, I guess. Okay. Uh, I mean, his week one explosion was fun, uh, but we've seen him kind of go off in games before. You just want to see it consistently, and you want to see it over a whole season, and that's mm-hmm. just what we haven't seen from him. The biggest reason that like that week one made such a big difference for me was the competition. I mean, I was interacting with Ian Wharton, who all, everybody on Twitter seems to think that he's like the guy that's not employed by a football team that's on Twitter and can talk about defensive backs. I mean, like this is the dude that everybody goes to. And he put out the clip of Sammy... Like strong arming, strong strong arming Jalen Ramsey, and then catching that touchdown, and saying like, "I love when refs like let guys play. Like this is not something that should be flagged by either party. Like this is just two dudes working in order to make it." And I said, "You know, I responded to him. It was basically just like, maybe it's just me. Like maybe I'm just a Chiefs fan here, but like this play is made all the more impressive because it's happening against Jalen Ramsey." No, yeah, absolutely. Like, like I, if, if that was against, you know, you could name dozens of other guys. I'm like, hey, that's great. Sammy looks good. But, like, oh, he did that to Jalen Ramsey? Like, hey, girl. Yeah. So it's it was that. But, like, you can't tell me that he did not look different. Yeah, that's true. He no, I, I will say that. so his, fast. And his just cuts like, look unbelievable. Like, like. The way he can cut, like, and you saw it in the, the you know third play of the season, mm-hmm. and he just cuts right by Ramsey, and, and boom, he's gone. But like, I, I will say his cuts this season have been pretty otherworldly. Yeah, like I, we need to come with like what is what's who, who does cuts? The butcher, the, the butcher the, makes cuts. The butcher, cold yeah. cut. We just call them cold cuts. Uh, yeah. The I barber. Like, I like cold cuts. Cold cuts is good actually. Cold cuts. Because I mean, they're cold. The cold is ice. It is cold ice cuts. Cold. Ice cold. Okay. Well, so like, let's. I'm gonna go into some, some sub questions that doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be Sammy Watch here, but um, you know, Sammy Watkins is he good? We, we don't know. We don't know. We'll see. Demarcus Robinson. Is, is Demarcus Robinson good? <laughs> is that Demarcus knocking on the door? <laughs> He's like, hey guys. <laughs> Definitely good. Welcome into our end of the podcast here. <laughs> Looking for that contract Skype, extension. <laughs> Demarcus Robinson, are you good? You know, you and I had this little conversation. Um, so, little inside amateur hour. Oh. Some friends of ours from Mexico City 
that hosted the big watch party last year at Pinche Gringo Barbecue. They were coming in town. Fucking white boy barbecue. Yeah. So they were coming in town to go do some uh, quote-unquote research at the American Royal last weekend. And uh, one of them I'm, I'm talking to, and he's like, hey, we're going to go take a stadium tour. Um, I'm, I'm going to drop your guys' names. What do you think is, is going to happen? Like, what's it going to get us? Can we? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Like, they don't know who we are. But sometimes I like to think that maybe... BJ might. Yeah. Is BJ there? I, but that's Ask what I was for saying. BJ. It was like Friday or Saturday. I was like, they're probably like gone. Like, they're on the airplane. He's BJ's gone. He's not there. Oh, yeah. So, I can't even try to put you in touch with somebody. Yeah. And he's the only guy I know, and like, we only sort of know each other. <laughs> but, you know, every once in a while I have these little, you know, flights of fancy that feel like, yeah, the Chiefs know who we are. Surely they do. And so, you know, Demarcus Robinson, yeah, he's fantastic. We can talk him up, and they're going to be like, listen, these guys know what they're talking about. We can influence the Chiefs. If we think Demarcus Robinson needs to stick around, we can talk him up all year long, and they're going to do it. No? The look on your face is like, I don't know. Oh, I don't know if I want to pay him real money. Do we have to pay him real money? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I guess my answer would be, I think any receiver could look really good in this offense with, with Pat Mahomes. Okay. Let would me ask my, you this would one. would be my answer. Um, Chiefs, a little hot and cold. Somewhat hot. Let's say, like, lukewarm, right? Who's lukewarm? Um, the Chiefs? Hang on. Oh, bear with okay. me. Okay, gotcha. Kind of lukewarm running game in week one. Um, real cold in week two. Not looking great. Can't run the ball. Um, but I think that we were all like, oh, holy crap. We got Damian Williams. We got Daryl Williams. We got Darwin Thompson. We added LaShawn McCoy. Look at all these running backs. Are the running backs good? <laughs> uh, are the offensive linemen good? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, you, you got you got Mahomes. You got Andy. That's, that's probably enough. Uh, the, the running game is a little concerning. Uh, I do think it's of note that Eric Fisher was out last game, and Cam Irving came in. And by by most accounts from from the nerds from the nerds out there, Cam Irving was good in pass protection, not good in run, at run blocking. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a factor. But it is a little concerning that we just weren't able to run the ball. So that's that's got to be one of the lower rushing performances of the Andy era, right? Wouldn't surprise wasn't me if it was tw- the lowest. wasn't it twenty two for thirty two. I I don't know I don't I I don't know. I never looked. It was not good. It was not. I know good. Damon Damon Williams has thirty two yards rushing on the season or thirty four. I think he has twenty two carries for thirty four yards. Mm. That's that's not great. No, ain't great. No, it's not. Well, listen. The reason that I ask you these questions is because I think that a response that is going to be pretty common. You almost said it. Is like, does any of it really matter? Does it matter if Sammy Watkins is good? You said, hey, DeMarcus, like, you can put any receiver out there. You got Pat Mahomes, right? Don't know if the offensive line's good. Pat Mahomes is, though. Are these running backs any good? I don't know, but Pat Mahomes is amazing. He's the MVP of the <laughs> NFL. I feel like I always want to ask that question. Like, does it matter? He's so good. But we also haven't seen him without what people have described as 
the best situation that like any quarterback has ever walked into in league history. Yep. Because of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and you know whoever else, like all all the different weapons that they put together, and then having Andy Reid too, right? So like I I really want to be careful about the mentality that I think a lot of us might have, maybe, about like how much do these different pieces matter? Because, man, I don't know if I've said this out loud. I don't know if people have heard me say this, but like I have felt it in my bones. It's it's hard for people to hear that. If Patrick Mahomes is supposed to be like this version of Aaron Rodgers, dear God, please don't be the Packers. Just don't, man. Like I can't, I can't do that. And I know, like you are very anti Aaron Rodgers. I get it, and I'm with Mahomes is going to be JP Lossman over here. (laughs) I mean, let's be fair. (laughs) I know, like there's a lot of things about Rodgers that are overblown, but I mean, people still today seem to think that. Like, Aaron Rodgers is like, he might not be the best quarterback ever, oh God, but go. but he's the most talented. Yeah. Or he had the best single, you know, like, I think, like time I think period or Nick whatever. Nick and Danny were just super stoned on their couch that season. Yeah. The 2011 season or whatever is like, this guy's really good. And they just, they both said it to each other over and over and over and yeah. over that it's just so ingrained into their brains Eventually, they will look at the evidence that Aaron Rodgers has not been a good quarterback. Well, not not been a great quarterback for five to six years now, and they'll stop coming up with excuses. He's got a new coach finally. He's got a defense. He's got receivers now. He really has no excuses this year, but more excuses will be coming. Don't don't worry. Oh. Just because of that weed was so good that they're smoking on that couch. Well, and it's also you know I remember my first time too, Nick. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and he he then you know comes up with this. Every year, as long as he's on my roster, I will trade my first-round pick if you give me Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and like, hey, man, listen, that's a great take. It made people pay attention. But eh, eh, eh. I'm just going to... I'm just going to give him some top 15 picks. I just... I don't want to get to a place where we are so enamored with Patrick Mahomes and everything that he's capable of doing that the team just allows all these guys to, to leave. I mean, you have, I gotcha. to, you have to end up replacing those pieces with, with drafting and free agency and whatever, like, you know, Travis it's, Kelsey. Yeah. Like, the, at some point, we're not going to have Travis Kelsey anymore. By right? the way, Travis Kelsey playing on a below-market contract and not complaining at all, it's, it, it goes unnoticed. And, and I see you, Travis, because you, you could be making a lot more money and you don't seem to be money-hungry at all. You're just, you're just enjoying the ride. I think that that dude could totally hold out because he's clearly the best tight end in the league right now, and he's mm-hmm. he's on this deal that he's been for a few years, and he's just seems happy with it. I think crushing Coors Lights at NCAA tournament games. I, I think that I've gone from like yeah, Travis Kelsey's good, but yeah, to like man, I just definitely I just love this guy. Definitely, just yeah. love him so much. Yeah. Um, I am I, and I yeah. One of these games, one of these last two games, I, I came to that realization. It's just like man, like you see all these guys holding out all over the place, and it's just Kelsey's one of those guys that you know. Yeah, and he's he's really like become a professional too. Like yeah, to remember the fake stories where he's, he's like, like, I'm I'm over this, and then it was it was that week one game that he was, and he picked up like another personal foul in that game. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he just I don't know. It seems like he's like. I don't want to use the word matured or whatnot, but like he's just, he's kind of figured it out. Yeah. You know, because he's still, 
knows when and how to have fun, but like, yeah, you know, I haven't haven't seen a, a 15 yard penalty that crushes a drive yep. for a little while. Yep. That feels good. Uh, so, so what you're talking about roster construction, and I think you can easily make the argument that you know with Pat Mahomes, with Andy Reid, the smartest way to build the roster would be to not put money on the offense because. Mahomes and Andy can prop up whoever's there and make them at least good enough. And so you'd throw your money elsewhere, which might be the smartest way. Um, I, I guess you're arguing against it. It's kind of like the Mike Shanahan style is how I look at it, like how they wouldn't play a running or pay a running back. It was just, we can make any running back good, so why would we pay one? We're just going to move on. We're going to trade Clinton Portis. We're going to throw in Olandis Gary, and we're going to be fine. And that eventually did get you know watered down enough that they were playing Ruben Drones, and he wasn't quite the same like they just I got it but they weren't on the same level of scariness that they used to be like like right. Broncos with Clinton Portis was just like oh fuck here we go like 200 yards could be coming at any moment and you know they landed Champ Bailey in the deal and it you know it led to success whatnot but you're pushing against that I guess well so here I, I think that the best example but, and they, they signed Tyree Kill so I mean they're, they're obviously not throwing nothing at it yeah I mean and that's you know and we should say Tyree Kill's deal very team friendly. That was yeah, very for sure. Good, to, good to see as a uh, Chiefs fan. Yeah, and I mean, I th- I think that you got a really strongly worded and and appropriate uh, like comment or whatever from Brett Beach, where it's like, if you come to play and you keep your act together, then you're going to see every penny of this deal. And like Tyreek knows that this is all contingent upon the way that he conducts himself. Yeah, and that's I really I think, think all that all you need all that shit this offseason. I think saved us some money. And there's also an element of when the Chiefs play, pay anybody, they automatically get hurt. Yeah. There is a there is still a little Chiefs dread there that, you know, anybody, as soon as they get paid, like, mm-hmm. that still looms. I mean, God, I don't even want to think about the Madden curse, all right? Like, just, just our quarterback <laughs> is on the front cover oh, of Madden. Week one, dude, I was, like, it I, was, I was losing it a little bit. I was <laughs> terrified. They show Mahomes limping, and I'm just terrified to see the replay. Like, not a knee, not a knee, not a knee. Like, oh, even an ankle, like, oh. even an ankle, we can get over that. Because it couldn't be season-ending. Like, even if it's broken, I don't think that's a season-ender. But, right. you know, ACL, MCL is obviously a season-ender. I, I think that the reason that I say I want to be careful about, like, taking this mentality of the quarterback is so good that maybe the auxiliary pieces around him don't matter. The best example that I can give you is, like, I look at – what Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis. And Peyton Manning was his own offensive coordinator. Yep. Like he was he was without a doubt beyond any question like that this dude is just the best. Right? And that doesn't mean that they, they got, were always. He got a lot of undeserving people, a lot of money. Yes. And and it doesn't necessarily Mike mean McCoy, that he's Adam gonna you know, be the the you know the best that he's always gonna win the Super Bowl because, you know, Tom Brady exists. But, like, I think everybody looked at it and was like, dude, Peyton is just, this dude is different. He's so good. Mm-hmm. To where they could have, you know, always gone with Anthony Gonzalez and Austin Collie and whoever White. else. But they Anthony didn't. Anthony Gonzalez, he was actually a first-round pick. Right. <laughs> but, but they didn't do that. They had Marvin. They had Reggie. You know, ultimately they had Dallas Clark. And it's like, that team, they made a point, like, we are going to put players that, like, at their positions are, you know, somewhat on the level of Peyton Manning. Because we want to give him, like, you know, the, the best possible scenario that we can so that he really can do what he does. 
And and I don't know if if you take all the weapons away from Patrick Mahomes that that you know takes away his ability to do some of what he does because those guys take are all some, so yeah. good. And so I just that's a joke. I don't I don't well, think do that we're think in it's... danger of that. But I I I the reason I said like I want to be careful is because I think that as fans. With Pat Mahomes so far, like, we've been so spoiled. And I do think that people kind of have this thought in their head a little bit of, like, man, is Sammy Watkins good? Who cares? We have Pat Mahomes. But, like, they're going to have to continue over time like they did with Hardman. And I know that, like, the Tyreek situation was, like, fresh in their minds, Mm -hmm. as fresh as possible. But, like, they are going to have to constantly reload and replenish this offense and sometimes, you know, maybe that means drafting a receiver when you're like, what the hell? Why? You know, we need a corner or something. But, like, okay. I, I just think it's important to do that. Important. I'm, I'm curious, important how? Do you think it's the smartest way? I think. Because I think you could easily make the argument that the smartest way would be to not throw money to help Mahomes and to throw it at other positions. And it may not be the most effective. Aesthetically pleasing. That's the word I was trying to come up with earlier, by the way, was aesthetically. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Breland aesthetically looks like Sean Smith. Okay. Boom, got it. Uh, we'll edit that later. Um, but, so are you arguing that it's the smartest or like that you just don't want to see it as a fan because you want, you want what we're seeing right now? I don't know what's the smartest. Welcome to Amateur Hour. But... I feel like that's what I want. That's, I mean, I think that's a I, perfectly fine answer. Like, I want Mahomes to be able to have the likes of, you know, Travis Kelsey. And even if it means that, like, it's Travis Kelsey and it's Tyreek Hill and then it's, you know, McCole Hartman or Demarcus Robinson or whatever. Like, I need him to have two different guys on this offense. And I don't care if it's receivers or tight ends or running backs. I want... Like triplets, at least. Yeah. Like I, I need that for him because I don't want to be in this position. That, I mean, listen. Just to to bring it back to Rogers for a second. Yeah. Like, there have been times where you can look around on that roster and be like, man, like they don't. They have six different running backs, and we don't know if any of them are good. And don't get me wrong, like. He had some good years with Donald Driver, had some good years with Jordy Nelson. But, like, when, when guys... He's always had a good year. But I guess it's just... I just want... I, I don't want, like, the cupboard to be pretty empty because it's like, well, we have Mahomes over here, and so as long as we put, like, a, a halfway decent line in front of him and then we can invest all this money over here on the defensive side of the ball to balance it out or whatever. Okay. But, like... I mean, I, I just, think fun is a factor as a yeah. fan. And, and watching this Chiefs offense right now is a shit ton of fun. Like, that second quarter against the Raiders, like, my God, just injected into my veins. Yeah. And I'm sure if you talk to, you know, a Patriots fan, and maybe this is a little skewed because they've won so much, but I'm sure they look back at those 2007 years like, holy shit, like, what a run. Because we are so explosive and everybody is terrified of us. And maybe they enjoyed that team more than a later team that won a Super Bowl and wasn't as explosive, and they were kind of more grinded out. But, you know, man, looking back at that 07 run, that, that run right in there, and we had Moss and Walker and all those guys, like, that was the most fun. I mean, I'll tell you, don't, don't get me wrong, like, I don't have six Super Bowl championships to compare one or the other, <laughs> but the 2003 Chiefs 
are about as much fun as any of us have ever had, yeah. even though it led to the no-punt game. Yeah. Like, who didn't yes. love watching that team yes. play football? It was amazing. And that would be comparable to the Alex Smith year that lost to the Steelers. You right. know, same in-season result, but, you know, this season with uh, that, that 2003 team was just a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think... The, the last thing that we have to do that I know that we have to do is talk a little bit about this Ravens game on Sunday. Okay. Um, is there anything that you would like to touch on before we kind of like reach that concluding little segment? Um, I, I want to say real quick, I think the Tyreek injury will help this team in the long run. I think it will help establish Sammy. It will help evaluate D-Rob. And it will help educate McColl. Hmm. And I used some alliteration there, so I wanted to get that in. Okay. Um, That That was kind of like, I think, that's how I felt, was like, this is truly a blessing. Like, we know exactly what Tyreek is, and we don't really know the future of any of these other receivers. Yeah. Like, Sammy could be gone after this year. Demarcus Robinson is in a contract year. Hardman is a rookie. Like, this is genuinely an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Of course, Uh, I heard that Tyreek has been... They said that he was... Tripling a ball with both hands today. Well, I listened to a little press conference with Mahomes, and he was like, he keeps taking his sling off. It's like, dude, you need to chill. I'm like, yeah, Pat, tell him to stop. Like, just (laughs) heal. I broke my collarbone. I know how tough that stuff is. If Tyreek Hill's like playing football two weeks after this... He could have died. Injury, like <laughs> that's what they were talking about. Like, no, the, the nobody said internal. That. Nobody it said that. It was a medical issue. Oh yeah, I'm like they talked about potential surgery or something. I don't know. Who what? Uh, a very he very... could have died. Breaking news. <laughs> um, I'm sure the NFL would have been a lot of NFL fans would have been thrilled. Oh. Um, a real quick, minute. Deep dive. Oh, man. I almost didn't even remember the, the term for it. <laughs> what, I'm not even going to play the sound effect here. Very, very minute. Former assistant <sighs> assistant coaches having success against Bill Belichick. Do you think this is a thing? Former assistant of Bill Belichick's yeah. having success? Going to a new team, becoming the head coach, and then coaching against Belichick. I mean, none of them last long enough to like have really, actual his, success. His tree but... isn't great, but you know, you think of last year. They lost to the Lions. So Matt Patricia want to know. They lost to the Titans. So Mike Rabel want to know. So I kind of looked at some other guys. Like, is this the thing? Maybe Josh McDaniels had that one win against them with the Broncos. Remember when they were six and zero? Really fell off a cliff. I don't. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah. Well, he he beat Belichick. Uh, big game at the time. With Eric? with Tebow? No, 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 no. It would have been Orton, I think. Uh, I nice. think. Um, I'm an Orton fan. Yeah. I don't care what anyone how can, says. How could you not be? <laughs> Kyle Orton fan. <laughs> Fifth best quarterback in Chiefs history. Uh, Eric Mangini actually went 3-5 and five against him. That's not bad. Uh, Nick Saban went 2-2 two and two against him. So, a little bit of former assistants having success against Bill Belichick. The black eye on this is Bill O'Brien. Uh, or maybe I should say the butt chin of this is Bill O'Brien. He's 0-5 against Bill Belichick. Uh, I bring this up just because we sniped Brandon Daly away from the Patriots. Um, I don't. I don't think it's like insider knowledge or anything, but I do think assistants have had some success against Bill Belichick in the mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah, he's got some insider info, kind of like uh, the the tackle that we brought in. Yeah, uh, for for Baltimore. This, this is week. what they're going to do. Like Lamar likes to run. <laughs> he likes to run. 
I I loved. We're actually like getting press asking those questions now because someone asked Andy about like. Um, now I can't even remember that Chase Litton got signed by the Giants, oh, yeah. and he was like, "Good luck, <laughs> <laughs> good luck to him." I'm not I'm not concerned about it. And John Harbaugh essentially said the same thing. Like, are you concerned about what he's been? What you know. Sanat has been able to learn about the offense and like can can then you know take over to Kansas City and he's like on the list of things I'm worried about the Chiefs that's probably at the bottom. <laughs> I did see a fun Harbaugh quote. He was like, uh, they asked him about matching wits with Andy Reid or something, and he was just like, I don't think that would be very entertaining. And I think what he was getting at was it wasn't like it was kind of hard to read, but I think what he was getting at was just like Andy Reid obviously has more football knowledge than me. Like he mm. comes with. He comes from a different, you know, state of mind of coaching his team, obviously. Uh, But I thought that was kind of fun. Did you see that Eric Fisher had hernia surgery? Something about a core muscle something, That's what they said is it's a hernia. So, I think that's... I hope I I never get my core muscle worked on. Is that like... In surgery. Four weeks, six weeks, I don't know. Like, it's hopefully like a fast recovery, but... I don't know. We'll see. Eric Fisher could be one of the guys that's on the chopping block if Jalen Ramsey does come to fruition. By the way, have we checked to see if Jalen Ramsey happened? Because was... yeah, I've been I've been refreshing and kind of monitoring. Okay. Um, but I mean, man, if he yeah, signs during our podcast, that'd be great. That'd be something. That'd be great. Um, I don't. I think that like they could potentially move on from Eric Fisher, um, just because of the way that the contract is structured and whatnot. You gotta figure but, something like, out. I think Fisher's good. I do. Like I think he's he's good. And I don't want to have a like a problem area on that offensive line. I mean, I guess other than left guard, which continues to be a problem. Um, but I just, I'm just, dude, Sunday, like Mahomes and Lamar. Yeah. Like I'm so top two NFL so, MVP. So excited to watch these teams get at it. Like you know, this is. This is like maybe the undercard for Chiefs Patriots, but like I want to watch the shit out of this game. Can I just? I just. I need. I'm going to. A shame for NFL fans that it's on at noon and not in a primetime slot, or at least at three o'clock in a nationally televised game. It's going to be mixed in with a bunch of others. Yeah, and there's going to be all these markets that don't get to watch it. Um, So that that that's sad. But I'd like just shout out Ryan Ewing. All right, how about shout out these potential. Old school field designs, maybe of yellow end zones. I saw the old Chiefs helmet at midfield. Uh, Shout out Craig and Hannah Stout coming up to hang out and go watch this game. How about Hannah actually bailed, by the way? Oh, (laughs) well, how about shout out Jamal? Jamal Charles Charles? banging the drum. Oh, Oh, is he? All right. Shout out sad Ravens playoff memory. Jamal Charles, one great touchdown, and then we lost like 35 to nothing. Huh. Or seven, I guess. You, well, really, when you score a touchdown, you get points for it. Yeah. Um, of of our playoff games, probably the least uh, uh, hurtful of them. Yeah, that was a really <laughs> awesome, a lot of really loud like opening touchdown, and oh, then the right. Ravens proceeded to like just thoroughly Torch destroy Barry. the Kansas City Chiefs that day. Todd Heap, but Heap you Heap. know what? Shout out Mahomes for a really great Ravens memory last year. Hey. Suck it, Ravens. Um, and you know what? Shout out Daniel Sorensen just because, because I'm a big fan. I like Daniel Sorensen. Mm. Shout out Chris Berman because NFL Prime Time is back. He was he's rustier than us. I will oh. say that. Okay, it was a little bit of a rough go, uh, but still phenomenal. Just the studio, 
the voices, the music. I, I mean, I don't even care. They could, it could be a, um, you know, what they do with Tupac, a hologram. It could be a hologram of Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, and they're just playing the music and showing the highlights, and I would still eat that shit up. I just... And we've got, we've got all these people doing the music, you know, mm-hmm. for different things, and it's cool, I get it, but not the same, man. Not the same. No, definitely not. I, I just... The Raiders. We had these. We had these, like weird moments for a while where <laughs> it was almost like people got sick of Chris Berman. They were like, well, making, I think they were making fun of the home run derby thing. Back, 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 yeah. back. But there was like all these people. It was like he's a novelty, and I don't need him anymore. And and I was like, I was on crusades on Twitter. Like Chris Berman, that dude is untouchable. You can't say anything bad about Chris Berman. Him and Tom Jackson, and so to know that they're diva off the field, diva off the field, can't handle it. Well, he's an outspoken white man. (laughs) (laughs) We got plenty of those. Um, I'm really glad that those two are back together. Um, I don't have ESPN Plus. I don't have any ESPN at all, so I can't do it. I'm not sliding my password into your DMs. Ooh, hey girl, I'm down with that. Anything, anything specific other than all the things that I named and just like being back at Arrowhead on Sunday that you're looking at? Um, well, as far as the uh, end zones go, I didn't, I didn't fully understand that tweet. If we are getting yellow end zones, I will be naked before the game starts. The guy uh, was so saying, keep an eye on like that. The, the I don't know where we're sitting, from, but is it municipal? That municipal, was the yeah. original stadium, yeah. and so like it's. You see know. the Chiefs outline, and they the show the picture of like the yellow end zone, but I don't know if they're painting like the whole end zone yellow. If they do, I will be naked. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be naked, but um, I'll be covering Dirk's naked body. I'll I'll be I'll be trying. <laughs> You'll to, be the Jalen Ramsey, uh, on me. Yes, yes. I'll be. Um, I'll I'll pop up the medical tent uh, <laughs> so that no one has to see that. <laughs> I don't know. I'll just rip off, rip off the seat back and uh, oh, new seats! Yeah, yeah new right. seats upstairs, which is undoubtedly where we're sitting because I prefer the upstairs. Yeah, suck it, rich people. Yeah, give me the upstairs with the working class. Anywhere in the end zone, I'm fine. Yeah, okay, man, dude. If they really do, like that's I don't I don't maybe you. And guys... I have seen an update on it. It was like three days ago. Like, hey, look, they're painting the fields like this, and no update since. Because whoever that was probably got fired because the Chiefs were like, you better not. You better not. I don't oh, know. Where did it even come from? I have no idea who's tweeted was. I don't know. This is some guy. Probably one of the same people that's been tweeting out that Clark Hunt's plane is destined to Jacksonville. And here's the flight number and it's leaving Dallas. And they have the same tail sign thing like... People just do research, man. I, that guy was probably flying a little plane over airhead, and he was like, beep, beep, putting that on tweets. <laughs> what is that, a yellow end zone? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I think that I'm really excited to, like, the, the beginning of any Chiefs game is about as much fun as I think, like, I can have. Like, there's nothing that gets me more excited than being inside Arrowhead for... Home of the Chiefs for especially now, like getting to hear Patrick Mahomes get introduced. Just all of it. I mean, I don't like the is that Audio Slave or whatever it is. That's whatever that song is. I know the song that they play when the team is coming out of the tunnel and the cheerleaders are 
doing that. Yep, I know the song. They're playing. But, like, the, I don't know, the big fireballs and, like, just, like, everything about it. pregame sprint to our seats because we're too late. I just, like, the, all of the pageantry and the screaming and yelling and the excitement and, like, it's just, there's nothing like the beginning of a football game. Now, don't get me wrong, for, you know, most of my life, that was always, like, shit-faced, like, peak hammered in the seat, (laughs) like, right Right when the game is starting. Um, but, you know, I just... I'm just really looking forward to be out there. Like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to go to a game this year because of the circumstances. And, um, you know what? Really, 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 really looking forward to being in the parking lot and then ultimately... Just give me like those those like ten to fifteen minutes, the, the beginning of the Chiefs game, and then we'll and get like, out of there and be traffic. Like, and like we can we can lose real good, we can lose real close, we can get completely blown out. I don't care. Like I just I just need I need that moment in the stadium. I need it so <laughs> bad to get me through the rest of what this semester is going to be like. I'm sure all the fans feel the same way out there. Yeah, they're gonna they're <laughs> like yeah, it's fine if we lose. I'm not worried about. Hey, at it. least we got intros. But I mean. I don't like. I can't sit here and try to talk about a game plan or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just really, really happy to be going to the home opener and like have it be this like <laughs> this great team, like the Chiefs and the Ravens, you know, and the Patriots and the Cowboys. Like those are the teams in the NFL right now that are like really exciting and have done great things through two games. Like I'm, I'm really pumped. Yeah. If we were just like playing the, I mean, I guess I'd probably be excited. If we we're playing the Raiders too, but like huge game. This feels huge. Really important, huge, huge. All right. Well, it's a, it's a chance for it's a big chance for the Ravens because I mean we're sitting here talking about how Chiefs and Patriots are the two teams to beat. Yeah, this is their chance to throw their name in the ring. Throw their yeah, hat I mean ring. I think if throw their name in the hat, throw their hat in the ring. It hat will, in the ring. It will be. Um, I mean, honestly, anybody that beats the Chiefs, it becomes like a signature win. You know, it's not college football. You don't have to like get voted in, and you got to win these certain games. But like, you know, the Ravens will be at the top of the power rankings on Monday if if they do. Like the Patriots, well, pull out the Patriots. I don't really. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. like. For for beating three really bad teams. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've seen the Patriots have some success. Before. <laughs> I guess they might be more. They, they have a resume. They have dozens. Okay. Well, um, listen, folks. I know it's been a while, but this has been Amateur Hour. Welcome to 2019. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. And this is Dram and Little Yachty. Oh, my boys. Are they? I love Dram. (laughs) Will you just play? It's such a fun song. And that's my cat. Isn't that Chance? Uh, No, I think that's that's Dram. Oh, that's true? Yeah. Sounds like Chance. He's on some Chance songs. Oh, that's Both of them are, actually. I believe these are Chicago Bulls. This is Seth Rogen's favorite song. Favorite song? That's what I was... That's what I heard. That's fact. That's what I heard. It's called Broccoli. It's about... Seth rec- Rogen's... Recreational Broccoli. Oh. I was going to say, his favorite song is about Broccoli? <laughs> I guess he is pretty skinny now. Can you imagine rappers rapping about Broccoli? Come on. <laughs> You know it's code. Seth Rogen on Twitter. My favorite song of all time. Mm, where's this going? Oh, a YouTube link. Mm, mm, what's it going to be? 
Is it? It's broccoli. It's got to be. It's 43 seconds. It's the Entertainment Tonight new theme song by Will I Am. <laughs> it's a tweet from 2015. This is his favorite song. So, our first fact check. 